So I want to start by having us just think about what happens when Jesus saves someone. Think back about what happened when, when he saved you. Because of the cross, because of his death paying for sin, there was a point in your life, if you're trusting Jesus right now, there was a point in your past when he brought his power upon you and changed your heart. You saw him in his glory. He said, this is my prize forever. Nothing else has satisfied me. And so you, you turned from sin to Christ and you trusted him to forgive you, to change you, and to satisfy you. And when you trusted him at that moment, he did. All your sins forgiven. Past sins, present sins, future sins, all forgiven. He started to change you. And for the first time ever, he, he poured his love. You felt his love pouring into your heart. And for the first time, you tasted and experienced the heart-satisfying joy that you'd been longing for all your life. Remember that day? Glory to God. Salvation in Jesus is beautiful. But the Bible teaches it doesn't stop there. God promises that throughout our lives, he will give us times when he pours his love into our hearts when he fills us afresh with his presence, and when our heart thirsts get satisfied with an outpouring of living water, the living water of his Holy Spirit. Jesus promises that every one of his followers will have times where we experience the powerful outpouring of God's presence and love and, and living water. So the question we want to ask this morning is, what should we do at those times when we don't feel his love? What should we do at those times when we are not experiencing his presence? What should we do at those times when we are receiving nothing of the living water? What should we do at those times when our hearts are feeling far from God? That's the question we want to talk about this morning. Today, we're starting a brand new sermon series called A Summer in the Psalms, Learning to Pray. Book of Psalms, 150 chapters in the Old Testament, full of prayers. And this summer, God wants Grace Church to go deep in prayer, to get stronger in prayer. So that at the end of the summer, we've not just survived another Abu Dhabi summer, but we are men and women, boys and girls, children of prayer, stronger in prayer, more devoted to prayer, more passionate in prayer. That's what we're praying God will do this summer. And today we're going to study Psalm chapter 13, where we're going to learn from David how to pray at those times when we are feeling far from God. Let's turn to Psalm 13. Look at how he prayed. Let's start with verse 1. Psalm 13, verse 1. Very powerful. David starts, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, 
O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13. Now to see what's going on in this psalm, we've got to ask the question to start off with, what was David asking God to do? He's obviously praying, but what's he asking God for? Some people think that David is asking God for physical healing. And the reason they think that is because David mentions the word death in verse 3. Did you all catch that? Read verse 3 again. Psalm 13, verse 3. He prays, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So that word death makes some people think that David was sick, dying on the brink of of death, and so he's asking God for healing. Now, that's possible. It's a very possible interpretation, but, but I think the weight of the evidence in this passage points in another direction. I think it's more likely that David is asking here for spiritual reviving, not physical healing. And there's two reasons in the passage why I think David's asking for spiritual reviving. First reason. Notice what David's main request is. It's right there in verse 3. He says, light up my eyes. Light up my eyes. Now, that, that doesn't sound like physical healing to me. When somebody's eyes light up, what's happened? They're feeling fresh joy, fresh excitement, fresh passion. I'll never forget... I was probably seven years old. My dad one night announced, tomorrow we're all going to Disneyland as a family. Disneyland, you've probably heard of Disneyland, right? It's a theme park in the U.S. And our, our eyes lit up. We were excited. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. And that's what light up my eyes pictures. So, so David is asking God, do something in my heart. Light up my eyes. Give me fresh joy in you, passion for you, excitement in you. Revive me spiritually. That's one reason that that, that request, light up my eyes, I think sounds more like spiritual reviving. Second reason. Notice that word shaken in verse 4. Start with verse 3 to get the flow of thought, but then notice that word at the end of verse 4. So verse 3, consider, answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. So what David is concerned about is that if God doesn't answer his prayer, he is going to be shaken. That's his concern. Now, if you're shaken, what does that mean? It means you're insecure, you're emotionally troubled, right? You're feeling anguish, sorrow, discouragement. Being shaken is not being dead. Okay? Being dead is being dead. Being shaken is, is emotional trouble and turmoil in your heart. And so David's concern here does not sound like it's physical death. He's concerned he's going to be left emotionally shaken 
if God doesn't light up his eyes. In other words, he's asking God for spiritual reviving. He needs God to strengthen his faith, make his felt presence real to him again, show him his glory, help me to see and feel your glory. Those are my two reasons. Now, just one more question on that point, and that is, okay, if he's talking about spiritual reviving, why does he talk about death? Sleep of death. I think it's because the Bible can use the word death. It does use the word death to describe physical death, but it also can describe, use the word death to describe a spiritual dullness such that you're just like, you're like dead spiritually. Let me give you an example. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, where Paul uses a lot of the same concepts that David's using back in Psalm 13. Ephesians 5, 14. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now in the context of Ephesians 5, this verse is directed towards believers who are spiritually sleepy, drowsy, dozing. They're like dead spiritually. And Paul says, Awake, O sleeper, wake up. Rise from the the, the death, the, the drowsiness, the sleepiness you've been experiencing. Christ will shine on you. So here the word dead is used to describe a spiritual state, not a physical state. So my conclusion, we're asking the question, what was David praying for in this psalm? I think he's praying for spiritual reviving, not physical healing. It's good to pray for physical healing. Let's pray for physical healing. But here, David's praying for spiritual reviving. He's feeling spiritually dull. He's feeling far from God. He needs to be revived, made alive again spiritually. Now that might raise another question in some of your minds. It it, it came into my mind. Why would David need spiritual reviving? Why do any of us need spiritual reviving from time to time? Why do we have times where we feel far from God? Why do we have times where we're, we're not sensing his nearness or feeling his love? Why do we have times like this? One possible reason is because of like physical or mental or emotional factors like, like jet lag or being sick or, or mental health issues. Those all can leave us feeling just like nothing spiritually, right? That's just reality. And let me just say, at those times, if this is the factor, some physical, emotional, mental health issue, no matter how far you feel from God, God is right there. He is carrying you. He is sustaining you. Don't worry about what you're not feeling. Your Lord is right there. It's like we sang this morning. He is holding you fast. You can be absolutely confident about that. But now, is that why David is going through this in Psalm 13? And I looked through Psalm 13. I couldn't find any hint that he's going through like a physical or a sickness or mental health. It's just none of that there. So another possible reason is ongoing sin. If we are pursuing willful ongoing sin without repenting of it, without battling it, without crying out to Jesus, help me, forgive me, set me free from this, if we're just like embracing sin willfully, 
God will, in his love and care for you, withdraw his felt presence to wake you up. Everything's not fine. This is a dangerous road that you're on. He does that in his love for us. So is that what's going on here with David? I didn't see any hint of that here in Psalm 13. Nothing about ongoing willful sin. We, you can read Psalm 51. David is very, he, he, when he knows how to confess, he confesses powerfully, but you don't hear any confession, any acknowledgement of that here in this Psalm. Another possibility, maybe David needs reviving because he's been neglecting seeking God, right? If, if we neglect earnest prayer, if we just start going through the motions of our Bible reading, or if we neglect gathering with God's people like we are here to worship, we will start to feel far from God. We've all experienced that, haven't we? We will start to feel far from God. We'll, we'll experience less of his touch. We won't sense his smile, his presence upon us. But is that what's going on with David in this psalm? I don't think so. I didn't see any reason to think that David had been neglecting seeking God. Okay, so why then? Why does David need spiritual reviving? Here's why. There are times in our lives when it's not a sickness, physical, emotional, mental health issue, when we are fighting every known sin. Not, we're not sinless, but we're fighting, we're battling every known sin. We've been diligently seeking God, so there will be times when, we're, when all that's going on, and yet still God, in his great love for us, in his wonderful compassion, will withhold his felt presence from us in order to give us even more joy in him. There's times where that happens. When God, in, in great love, waits, waits to, to pour out his spirit upon us, because as he waits, and as then we're waiting, we are even more humbled before him. We understand that any outpouring is pure mercy. I can't do anything to earn it or deserve it. Our desires for that fresh outpouring are growing. And then when the outpouring comes, the joy is increased even more. That's a reality of the Christian life. Now, that may be a new thought for some of you. It's like, really? Does God do that? Yes, God does that because he loves us. Now, let me give you an illustration from another psalm where we will see that's exactly what David is going through. Look at Psalm chapter 40, just the first three verses. I love praying Psalm. I would recommend you memorize these verses. This is powerful to pray. Look at what David says here. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of the, uh, from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Now notice what David is going through here. This is grim. Man, he felt like he was in the pit of destruction. Ever been there? Okay, down in that pit of destruction, like it's a miry bog. He's sinking, 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 sinking into this miry bog. And he, he can't get his feet set on any rock. No foothold to, to keep the sinking from happening. No foothold to start to climb out. Or he's just sinking into this miry bog of destruction. He's stuck. So what does he do? He waited patiently for the Lord. 
And he cried out to God while he was waiting patiently. So he's, he's waiting and he's praying. How long did he have to wait? We don't know. He doesn't tell us. But there he was, feeling low, feeling discouraged, far from God, and he's waiting. And he's crying out to God. And he's waiting. And he's crying out to God. And he's waiting. And he's crying out to God. And that word waiting, doesn't it show there's some period of time that's going on here, right? Before God answers him. Now, God could have answered immediately. Just like that. The moment David prayed, God could have answered him. But he didn't. In great love, great compassion for David, he chose not to. Why not? It's because this delay would end up bringing David even more joy in God. And and we can see that, Psalm 40, at the perfect time, look at what God did. This is what God did. God drew him up out of the pit of destruction. God lifted him out of the miry bog. God set his feet upon a rock and made his footsteps firm, secure, and God put a new song of praise into his mouth. God came and transformed David, and he wrote a psalm to commemorate what a powerful thing God did. So Psalm 40 shows that there are times when God waits to pour out his presence in order to give us even more joy in him. And every one of us will experience this. Every follower of Jesus goes through seasons like that. It's not because of physical or mental health issues. It's not because we're involved in ongoing sin. It's not because we haven't been seeking God. It's because God in his love is waiting to pour out his spirit because he's going to bring us even more joy as a result of that wait. And I would guess that some of you are experiencing this right now. Right now. So we need to ask, what should we do at those times? We've all got to learn what to do. We've got to learn to identify it. That's what's going on. And then we need to know what to do. What should we do? Now, before explaining what we should do, let me give you three things we should not do. Okay? That's important. First, what should we not do? We should not settle for little of God's felt presence. Don't settle. We shouldn't just keep living our lives and going through the motions, business as usual. Why not? It's because God's felt presence is our life. It's our life. Look what David wrote in Psalm 16, verse 11, a verse we love to quote here at Grace Church. You, God, make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David knew by experience where fullness of joy was found. In God's presence. God's felt presence. That's where fullness of joy is. Now, that doesn't mean that we depend upon feelings. 
One of our songs mentioned that, so powerful. We do not depend on feelings. Feelings can be up and down. We can be in seasons of sensing nothing from God. We don't depend upon feelings. We depend upon the rock, solid truth, unchanging truth of God's word. That's what we depend upon. We don't depend upon feelings. But we don't settle for little feelings because God's felt presence is our life. We want life, and he's promised to pour out his presence upon us, so we never settle. Have you been settling? Have you kind of grown accustomed? I guess this is the Christian life. Do not settle. Do not settle. Second thing we should not do, don't stop seeking God's face. It's tempting, isn't it? To stop seeking? Why bother? I'm not getting anything out of this anyway. Something better to do for sure. No. Huge mistake. Because God promises that when we seek him, when we seek him, he will, in time, pour out his presence. Let me show you Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. Love this verse. Memorize this one also. Hosea 6, verse 3. The prophet Hosea says, So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Move ahead in knowing Him. Why? Why press on? His going forth, that is, His his coming to us, is as certain as the dawn. How certain is it that the sun's going to rise tomorrow morning? It's pretty certain. And as certain as that, his going forth is that certain. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. Now, pressing on to know the Lord means simply seeking God's face in prayer, studying, meditating upon God's word, gathering with God's people in home group here Saturday mornings in worship. That's what it means to press on. And God promises that when we press on, on to know him. He will give us the spring rains of his presence. The the Israelite farmers longed for those spring rains because that would bring a bountiful harvest, a bountiful crop. When we press on to know the Lord, he promises spring rains are coming. The life-giving water of his presence will quench your heart thirst, satisfy your dry, thirsty souls. Press on to know the Lord. Spring rains will, will, will come. Promise. Promise. So don't stop pressing on. Don't stop seeking God's face. Okay, a third thing we shouldn't do. We should not turn back to sin. We're tempted to do that, aren't we? I'm not receiving much when I seek God. I might as well go back to seeking sin. Go back to living the old way. That is a foolish and dangerous and too common mistake that we've all made. Why? Let me put it like this. Your soul is thirsty for what the Bible calls living water. The living water of God's presence, Jesus' love poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. That's what your soul is thirsty for, living water. 
And sin is a dry, dry, barren desert. There's no water there. No, there's mirages. Oh, look at that oasis out there, right? We've all headed towards those oases out there. Where to go? I tried it. Not satisfying. Sure, little tastes of pleasure and joy, no doubt about it, but you're never satisfied in the dry, barren desert because what your soul thirsts for is the living water of Jesus. Living water is only found in the spring rains promised by God, which will, will, will come as we press on to know the Lord. So don't turn back to sin. Keep pressing on to know the Lord. Now, just kind of a side note here. Okay, so what if you've stopped seeking the Lord? Or what if you've settled for very little of his presence? Or what if you've turned back to sin? Here you are, it's like, uh, that's me. At least one of those three, maybe more than one, maybe all three. What should you do? I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ is standing before you, outstretched arms, nail-pierced hands, with all the, the love, all the acceptance, all the forgiveness, all the power to help you turn around. Jesus Christ is standing before you with everything that you need. He's saying, come, I, I know what you've been doing. Come, I, I understand you're feeling guilty. Come, turn away from that sin and come. Everything you need is in me. He's there with love and acceptance and grace, and he will take you, assure you of complete forgiveness, strengthen you, comfort you, help you, get you back on the right track. He will do all of that for you. He's standing before you with everything that you need. So run to him. Just run to him. Help me. Help me. He will. He will. So those are three things we should not do during those times when we're feeling far from God. We should not settle for a little of God's felt presence. We should not stop seeking God's face. We should not turn back to sin. So what should we do? Pray. Open Psalm 13 and pray this psalm with David. Let me walk through this psalm line by line and show you what, what David is saying, what David is praying because I'm, I'm, I'm praying that this is going to open up some new, maybe some new categories of prayer that we maybe are not used to praying before. Do you pray the way David prays here? We all should be praying this way. That's why the Holy Spirit led David to write this psalm and have it be included here in Psalm, the book of Psalms. Start with the first line. How long, O Lord? Do you ever pray like that? And that's not anger. It could be. Don't pray that way. How long, O oh Lord? I wouldn't do that. This is not anger. This is longing. Lord, how long? I love you. I need you. You're my life. How long? He loves that prayer. And oh, that'll minister to your soul when you pray that way. How long, O oh Lord? Next line, will you forget me forever? 
David knows God hasn't forgotten him, but it, it, it feels like God has forgotten him. God, it's been a long time since I've seen your glory, felt your glory. It's been a long time since I've experienced your love. I can't live without you, though. Are you going to forget me forever? Help me. Meet me. Light up my eyes. Look at the third line. How long will you hide your face from me? So he's longing for God's face to shine upon him. He's longing to feel God's smile, to to, to sense God's presence. God, your presence is my life. I must have more in your mercy through Jesus. Pour out your spirit upon me. I'm seeking your face, Father. I plead with you in your mercy to do this. Next line. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? See how honest he's being? Be honest with God when you pray. Don't be angry, but humbly admit what's going on. He's feeling alone. He's feeling confused, lacking God's guidance. He's he's grieving at, at, at his lack of God's felt presence. Next line. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Do you see how he's giving God reasons here? God, here's why I think you should pour your spirit out upon me right now. Please. Here's reasons. Another reason. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He's concerned that in his spiritual weakness, his enemies, maybe the, this might be the Philistines, this might be some temptation in his life. He's concerned that his enemies in his spiritual weakness are going to get victory over him. Okay, then the main main request, the next line. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Father, consider me. Think about me. God's always thinking about you, right? But but ask him, Lord, would you think about me? That'll help you believe that. Consider me. Look at the emptiness of my heart, Father. Look at my dull eyes, just dull spiritually. Look at how shaken I am. In your mercy, Lord. Answer me. And then the main request, next line. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Now, light up my eyes means show me your glory. Show me your glory. Help me to see your mercy and feel your mercy. Enlighten the eyes of my heart, like Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1, so I won't get sleepy and, and become like, like spiritually dead. Strengthen me so my enemies won't overcome me in my spiritual weakness. Now, notice what he's prayed so far, but David doesn't stop there. These next two lines are so important and so powerful. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. No joy now, but I'm trusting. I'm trusting in your steadfast love, so I know my heart's going to rejoice. Joy is coming. It's coming. I'm not feeling it now, but it's coming. 
So even though David is longing and yearning for God, feeling far from God, he's trusting in God's steadfast love. No matter what he's feeling or not feeling, he knows that God has not forgotten him. He knows that God's going to fulfill all of his promises to him. He knows that overflowing joy in God is in his future. It's there. It's coming. Okay? He has no doubt. So when you feel far from God, admit it. Be honest with him, but cling to his promises. As surely as the dawn, he will come. Like spring rain watering the earth. He's coming. He's coming. I'm not going anywhere. I'm pressing in. He's coming. I'm going to be here when he comes. That's how we should pray. Last line. I will sing to the Lord. (laughs) I'm going to be full of joy in the future, and I'm going to be singing in the future. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. He knows that God's going to deal bountifully with him. He knows an outpouring is coming. A fresh revelation of God's glory is is on its way. An outpouring of God's love will be his. And so he knows, I'm again going to sing to the Lord. So just say that to yourself. Joy is coming. I'm going to be singing. I'm going to be dancing. It is going to come. He's promised. I'm going to keep pressing in. Beautiful. So, Grace Church, what do you do at those times when you feel far from God? Let me urge you, urge you to pray as David prays in this psalm. Don't settle for feeling far from God. Don't turn back to sin. Don't neglect prayer, God's word, and worship. Open up Psalm 13 and pray Psalm 13 with David. Pray line by line, turning it into your own words. Pray it, pray it, pray Psalm 13. You can be absolutely confident, 100% certain, that a fresh outpouring is on its way. And at the perfect time, at the time which will bring you the greatest joy, it'll be poured out upon you. You can be absolutely confident of that. Now, to strengthen your faith in this, let me share with you an illustration, which I've shared before. Some of you, I think, have heard it, but it's from the life of David Brainerd. Who was David Brainerd? Early 20s, 1700s, a missionary to the American Indians. And David Brainerd was in a season of feeling far from God. He was trying to pray, but it was hard. It's hard, isn't it? When you're feeling far from God to pray, he was struggling. Here's what he wrote in his journal about what happened. He said, I'd been trying, trying to pray for half an hour, but felt very unmotivated. I was feeling very weak and dull, but I kept praying. (laughs) I love that. And then, and then, unspeakable glory seemed to open to my soul. My soul rejoiced with joy unspeakable in God, such a glorious God. My heart was rejoicing that this glorious God was God who ruled over everything and would do so forever. I was so captivated by his excellency, greatness, and other perfections that I was overwhelmed with joy and peace and worship until dark. Amazing. 
Now, that, that's a dramatic story. I will grant that. But I hope you see the point. And maybe that whets your appetite a little bit. When we are feeling far from God, as David Brainerd was, he will meet us as we continue to seek him. That's what God did for David Brainerd. That's what God did for David. We saw that in Psalm 40. And that's what God will do for you. He has promised. He's never broken a promise. He's promised. So, press in. Cling to his promises. Outpourings of joy in Jesus are on their way for you. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. Father, I pray that you would light up our eyes. Light up our eyes, Lord. And let that prayer be resonating in our hearts and our minds through the rest of this day and the rest of this week and this summer. Lord, light up our eyes, we pray. We know that you've promised to do that. We praise you for your mercy in Jesus. And so we pray, light up our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.